and welcome to the 57th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, and I'm joined as usual by Josh Simer. Crum, we're going back to our uh, third official Super Speedway. Yep. Down in Atlanta. I'm kind of hoping that maybe we'll see something out of the Fords this time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was actually watching some of the race uh from earlier this year in the background today just to remind myself what happened and my all it did was remind me that the toyotas and chevys led basically the entire time and uh any chevy that was leading had a tire issue so i i don't know if the fords will show up better i definitely think the cars won't handle the same either because of the heat or obviously they can't race in the rain but if they did that would be very different huh um oh yeah but uh, we'll we'll get into all that a little bit later. Um, first, I just want to kind of go through some news topics, I guess. Um, I had a a tweet that I sent from the iRace We Gamble account about like, oh man, I predicted like the my my lineup from this week's podcast was five of the top five drivers from qualifying. I was incorrect. It was five of the top seven, so still good, but not as good as I originally thought. So I deleted that tweet. Um, but also. Uh, that ended up being a good lineup that we'll talk about in a bit as well. Uh, other couple news nuggets, uh, the 20 and the 23 are swapping pickers for some reason. Josh, we talked about this a little before the podcast. I'm not sure what the reasoning behind this is. I haven't looked into it too much um, in terms of comments from the teams, but um, what do you? what is your knee-jerk reaction to that? Why? <laughs> I. It's just why. You know, I... I get the relationship between Gibbs and 2311, but you have a Gibbs driver who's only 20 points to the good of making the playoffs right now. Why would you right now give him arguably, <laughs> and maybe there's not an argument against this, but the worst pit crew in NASCAR right now? Yeah, it's hard to argue. Um, I'm sure that their best is much better than many teams' best, but their be- their worst is much is the worst. So, yeah, it's I very confusing. I I thought maybe they should switch some members of the crew if it felt like. I mean, I even heard I can't remember on what broadcast or maybe it was a podcast. Um, somebody brought up the idea that like if you were to just change the jackman or the front tire changer, they might mesh better with the working with a different crew, but if you're wholesale swapping the crews, you're not accomplishing anything. And I don't really understand. So we'll see. Um, another, another piece of news, the Chicago street course uh, is probably coming next year for a uh, three-year contract. Josh, I think we already talked about we're we're making plans to go to that. If that uh, ends up on the calendar, right? Absolutely. It's some, something new. Something that I find pretty exciting. Chicago's really not too far from Rochester. No, it's driving. We just- could drive there in about 10 hours, I think, if we wanted to go that route. And our uh, tiny little international airport, because we fly to Toronto, uh, also does direct connections over there to uh, what's in Chicago Hair. Yeah. Yeah. So easy to get out there. Just kind of got to see what what area of the city it's going to be in, what, you know, lodgings and all that is going to be. I have a couple of college people out in Chicago, too, so I have a potential have a, for couch surfing. Yeah, I have a, a close friend who lives out there as well. Um, and I've actually I visited her on part of my like road trip thing I did a few years back. So I've, I've stayed there before. Uh, that could be an option as well. We'll see. Um, so we'll buy them their ticket. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Josh, I don't know. Did you see the video, uh, from the Xfinity race of Noah Gragson kind of going nuts and anything about that? So I saw maybe like a two minute clip on Fox NASCAR's, uh, Instagram handle. Oh, okay. I didn't see any reaction to it, but. Boy, Gregson was just an idiot, huh? Yeah. Um, Dale Jr. had the, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but 
basically said like he's told Noah in the past because he drives for Dale Jr.'s Xfinity team. He's told them in the past, like, hey, like, I got your back. I'll stand behind you. But he said, in this case, I can't stand behind what he did. And I feel like that's, like, very telling. If you've got, like, someone who believes in you and you're like, look, sorry, man, you, you fucked up on this one. That's just the way it goes. Um, but he was penalized 30 points by NASCAR and I think fined 35 grand. So he is paying for it um, in, I think, a reasonable way. It's a little weird that NASCAR didn't penalize him in the race itself. Um, but I think because it was such a bad attempt at turning or spinning someone out because he spun himself out in the process, um, because they did, he did such a bad job. I, NASCAR supposedly said like, oh, we weren't sure if it was a mechanical issue or if it was intentional, which I guess yeah. if it broke, the car could veer in a direction like, but I think anyone, you have telemetry on the cars, like they can see the steering inputs. There's a part where he goes like this. And I'm I'm just yeah. turning my fake steering wheel to the right for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that that was intentional. Yeah. Um, so he finally got some some penalties assessed. We'll see if that changes him at all or or how he uh, behaves. I guess the rest of the season. Um, definitely a championship contender in the Xfinity series. So I'll be curious to see how he does. Um, yeah, you. You would hope that he would grow up a little bit, and maybe this is the wake-up call, because he's got to be up at the top of the list for one of the next guys to get tapped to come up to Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting, because I don't know where he would go. I know he's done a couple of Cup races for Colleague, but that's been a mixed bag, because they've done AJ Allmendinger, they've done Noah Gregson, they've done, uh, who is it, Hemrick, I think, has been in a couple other races. So don't know where he'll, he'd end up in the next couple of years. Um, but like he and Ty Gibbs, I think are both both showing their immaturity and their talent this year. And Gibbs actually ended up winning that race, beating Kyle Larson. So that was pretty impressive. And he did it cleanly. So even more impressive coming from him. <laughs> uh, in the world of iRacing, there's also been some uh, news. They uh, dropped that new hot Atlanta track on us. So um, I'm not talking about a rapper. Uh, and their beat or anything. I sound like the whitest person in the world right now. Yes, um, yes, you do. I'm good at that. Uh, <laughs> the new Atlanta track layout uh, that they're using currently that, to make it a super speedway, what I will call plate racing, um, is released on iRacing now, so you can race it. It's being used this week for a fixed and be fixed, I think. Um, I gave it a shot. It is incredibly difficult in the cup car. I <laughs> like. I don't know how the really good drivers do it um, on ride racing. And I, I feel like it's the kind of thing where it would be easier in real life only because you'd have all the like sensory inputs of the car, but it's still insane that people are going that fast at that like tiny of a track. Um, it's not tiny, it's a mile and a half, but that's a whole mile shorter than Daytona and it races like Daytona. So you should try it, actually. We can uh, once I get the new rig set up, which I guess that's another personal news. Uh, my I'm moving into my new house this weekend, and uh, my girlfriend Sarah was very kind in offering me a birthday present that included a little iRacing setup, uh, a cockpit sort of thing that I can attach my wheel and pedals to. So once I get that set up, Josh, in the new house, I'll have you give give it New Atlanta a go, so you can give your feedback on the podcast after we do that be interesting yeah yeah uh, and then also another uh personal thing um i'm gonna attempt to participate um hopefully with the new cockpit if i can build it quick enough uh in a, a charity event that blake mccandless otherwise known as mr f4 speed on uh, twitch and also a co-host of the e-nascar coke series so he's all over the place in terms of iRacing. Uh, he's throwing a World 600, so kind of like old school Charlotte uh, instead of the Coca-Cola 600, for example. Uh, but he's he's throwing a race there. He's doing qualifying on Tuesday next week, July 12th. I think registration uh, goes through July 10th. So as of recording, there's a couple days left. As of listening, it's probably very close to the deadline. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes if you want to sign up for that. But I signed up. Um, donated $5 to uh, Speedway Children's Charities. Um, and you can donate three or more dollars to, for your entry to the race. 
um, which I think is a cool way of doing sort of the entry fee is just a donation to uh, charity. Um, and so the qualifying is going to be a four lap average. So you just get out on the track, do four laps, and the average of your four laps is your qualifying time. And I believe the top 40, I could get, be getting that wrong, maybe 43, um, advanced to the actual race, which will be 600 miles around Charlotte, which will be exhausting um, on Thursday, July 14th, when we're supposed to record the podcast. So, Josh, next week, you need to reschedule if I make the race. If I don't make the race, we can do normal stuff. <laughs> Works for me. All right. Reminder after all that to follow us at iRaceWeGamble on Twitter. Um, tweet at us, follow us, see what tweets I delete, don't delete. It's always fun. Um, but I will say this, this, this week, um, we shared our show notes and, uh, some of our ideas on Twitter and we did really well. Um, we won't talk about it yet cause I, we want to recap F1 and talk about F1 before that. Um, there's probably gonna be a long podcast now that I'm realizing how many things we have in here, but follow us at our race. We gamble on Twitter. All right. Moving quickly into the British Grand Prix. Josh, you actually got a chance to watch. Uh, most of this race, which I feel like is a, a rarity for you because you've obviously got the, the Sunday kids and, and everything else going on in your life, but um, you actually got to see this one. So what did you, what did you think? Well, I think I would have definitely been able to see all of it if we didn't have the issue on turn one, lap one. And that red, what was that red flag was probably about 40 minutes. I think it came in at an hour. If I, I Well, I... It was a confusing day for me because I was like, I watched it live and then that happened. And then I watched a little bit more live before I had to go to a family function and then go camping. So I was catching bits and pieces of it throughout the day. Yeah, but I feel like the biggest thing that we got to talk about is that wreck. Yeah, that was because that was scary. Mm -hmm. It's you... always really, really terrifying when they don't show the replay right away. Yeah, maybe that's where I have the 40 minutes in because they never want to show the replay until they hear that the driver's okay. There was a lot of question about that. Um, it was... Oh, gosh. I'm not going to attempt to say his name. I'll do it for you. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu. Zhou Guan Yu. There we go. There you go. I knew it was something like that, but I didn't want to butcher it on him. I saw some things saying that his biggest fear was that the car was going to catch fire while he was stuck in it upside down, yeah. which just brings a whole nother level of fright into it. We found out that the halo works. Mm, yeah. Because otherwise he would have passed away on that wreck going that long on the top of his head. Yeah. It, I There's a, <sighs> There's the part behind the driver that, like, is supposed to also stay intact, and it did, but, like, w when the car's, like, spinning around, at some point, he's going to be head first, potentially on the pavement, and that's never good. Yeah. So, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already saw the wreck quite a few times, and really don't need me to break it down step by step, but, boy, it was scary. You don't like to see a car on you know, basically the roof for that long of a distance. And then to hit something and turn in some way to flip his car over the tire barricade and then into the safety fence, which had just to come down wedged in between there. It was just really, really frightening. Uh, Crumb, did you see the video from the fan that was sitting right there? Yeah. That angle is just kind of shows exactly how intense and violent that entire crash was. But good to see the drivers are okay. Um, do we know if 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 Joe is racing? Um, I would expect he is. He was back like at the paddock before the end of the race. I think uh, they showed footage of him. I watched when I watched. I went back and rewatched the whole ending just to see everything um, in its glory. Um, but yeah, I saw like he had made it back to the garage and he was fine. 
Alex Albon, who is kind of in that wreck, but in the further back, kind of got stacked up. Everybody trying to slow down to avoid it. He got run into by uh, Vettel, obviously not on purpose, but he took a pretty hard hit into the pit wall. And so he was airlifted just as a precautionary measure to a local hospital or um, something along those lines and checked out and released. So as far as I know, everyone's like good now. And I haven't heard anything about drivers sitting out this next race in Austria. So should be all good on that front, Um, which is great. Like you said, it's really terrifying wreck. Really glad they all made it out of there. Okay. Um, And yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a car go over that kind of barrier. And it's kind of funny because it's like you look at some of the barriers and stuff and you're like, I mean, they've got like three layers. They've got a fence behind it. Is that really necessary? And it's like, oh, yeah, see, see this wreck. That's yep. That's <laughs> necessary. There it is. That's the example. Yeah. Great. Just the <laughs> fact that he had enough speed and momentum to get through all of that gravel pit to just. Oh. Yeah, it was wild. It was a wild start to the race. And then, you know, once we. Once we got back to green flag racing, we actually got treated to a pretty damn good race, I think. Honestly, even, I mean, spectacular lap one wrecks are always, you know, highlight reel material, especially when everyone's okay. Um, But the racing itself, the rest of the race was actually fantastic, I thought. Um, And we did kind of gloss over this, but Verstappen got the lead on the original restart or on the original start from second, right, over signs. And then when they restarted, they basically said, like, hey, we didn't go far enough to call this, like, a lap that counts. Even though when they come back around and start the next lap, it's lap two. I don't know. Um, Yeah, that that was baloney. Yeah. So I don't (laughs) understand it. I don't like it. The, the problem is that they have the technology to see where the cars are when the yellow flag comes out. Just use that. It's not hard. Right. <laughs> and the thing the thing about it, too, is it screwed Verstappen. Yeah. Because he showed his hand. He showed how he was going to start that race, the move he was going to make into the first corner in order to take the lead right away. And then when we got to the restart, Carlos Sainz took a nice jump out and then dove straight into that lane that Verstappen was trying to hit again. Mm-hmm. was able to hold him off and then the rest you know was history who knows what the race would have looked like if Verstappen was able to make that move again and get out to the lead because every time a car got out to the lead there they were able to drive out of the uh DRS zone yeah and maintain a big enough lead where they were actually starting to be able to drive away quite a bit really yeah, I think Verstappen got the lead back after that. I can't remember if it was through pit strategy or just quick pit time or whatever it was. But in any case, he got back out to the lead. And then the only reason he really had a bad race is, um, I don't know if you heard about this, but basically he saw a piece of debris and sort of like your instinct as an F1 driver, if you can't miss it because you're going so fast in a corner that like swerving to miss it would basically throw you off the track and that's not going to be better. So their instinct is to try to put the piece of debris in the middle of the car because it won't hit a tire that way. And the floor of the car usually just makes it disintegrate like pretty quickly when you hit it. So he did that. He tried to put it sort of at the center point of the car so it would come under and just sort of dissipate. But it actually got like lodged in there and like ripped a pretty big hole or basically just damaged the floor really, really badly and made the car handle terribly. So that's why he fell back after that point, and he ends up finishing seventh. So um, I think if not for that, he could have been in the mix at the end with everybody else, but um, pretty frustrating day for him, I'd say. Yeah, they were speculating diffuser damage from that debris. I mean, everybody, you know, in NASCAR talks about the the new diffuser and the whole underbody being, like, the big thing, and it's like, yeah, F1 has that times 10, so... Anything getting up in there and wedged and screwing stuff up is not going to be good. Yeah, to kind of recap and paraphrase what I was hearing on the broadcast anyway, it sounds like that part of the car for F1 is really what initiates all of the downforce. And if you don't have the downforce, you lose your handling. If you lose your handling, you lose your speed. And Mm -hmm. that's what happened to Verstappen. 
Yep. And then we also had Leclerc and Sainz, kind of an awkward battle where Sainz had the lead and Leclerc thought he was faster, but like to your point, you can't get in the, it's not easy to get in the DRS zone or make a pass. So, you know, they're losing time to Hamilton, who's having one of his best races in third. And so they're like, okay, well, if we're losing time to Hamilton, let's try swapping them to see if Leclerc can pull away from Sainz. Um, and they eventually do do that maneuver. So Leclerc gets the lead because of that. But then later, that ends up screwing him over because he's in the lead when the uh, safety car comes out. And he doesn't pit because he has the lead, or his team says not to. And they pit Sainz because, well, he doesn't have the lead, so might as well give him good tires. The problem is everybody behind Leclerc got new tires, and he ends up finishing fourth. So Leclerc's pissed just as much as Verstappen, even though he gains on him in the point standings, which is kind of ironic. But yeah, after that, I, I don't know if you saw that light, like in the last 10 laps, there was a ton of battling for second place as Leclerc was kind of falling back. You had like Perez and everybody going all over each other and really good racing because nobody ran into each other somehow, which is pretty rare. But yeah, that was fun to watch. Best F1 race I can recall and at least top five in my memory total. Definitely best of recent memory. As far as our lineups, um, I'm just going to try to breeze through this quickly since we've spent a bunch of time here. Um, I did the best, but just barely over Josh. I had 151. He had 140. I was kind of saved by having signs. Um, you had Ferrari, which was kind of your counterpunch, but uh, Alonzo actually scored me a shitload of points. So that was nice for me. Um, Sarah had Perez as her turbo, which looked terrible early because he had an issue, but he battled back to second. So... Got her a ton of points, but she only got 138, just a couple behind you, Josh. But we'll talk about some changes to those lineups as we head straight into Austria um, for a sprint weekend, which means by the time you're listening to this, they probably already qualified, so I hope you set your lineup. Um, I might try to post this late Thursday night, so if you listen to it Friday morning, here's your chance to change your lineup before 11 a.m. Um, the sprint is at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday, and then the race is at 9 a.m. Sunday. Uh, and this track is called the Red Bull Ring. They're in Austria, which is Max Verstappen's home country, I believe, or it's close. It's either the Netherlands or Austria, I think. There's orange involved. That's all I know. I believe he's Dutch. And that still doesn't help me. I know he's not Austrian. That would, that would, be, that would be Netherlands. All right, thank you. I always get the, the Danish and the Dutch and the Denmark confused, you know? Belgian Dutch. Okay, so he's neighbor. under the Dutch flag. So they're they're neighbors to Austria, right? We've played enough world at this point to figure that out. Or am I crazy? Yep, you're not crazy. Perfect. All right, so we basically expect Red Bull to be good. We expect Verstappen to be good. Um, at least I do. Um, so I'm keeping Verstappen in my lineup. Um, my probable changes. I'm going to try to see practice one results before qualifying tomorrow but what i'm probably going to change is uh alonzo i'm going to drop down to guan yu um so i think he has a good bounce back after the scary crash this past week um he's shown speed like last week he i think finished in the top 10 or not you know the week before the race before uh the british grand prix anyway uh alfa romeo um which is Zhou Guanyu and Valtteri Bottas, um, who have both overperformed their price points consistently. I'm going to go with that constructor. And all of this would allow me to upgrade from Albon to Perez, which would give me both Red Bull drivers and both Ferrari drivers with Alfa Romeo and Zhou Guanyu. I really like that lineup. I'm hoping it works out. Um, I'll give you a quick recap of what Sarah's changing. Uh, she hadn't used her Mega yet, so she's going to use it this week because it's a sprint, which makes sense. But she's going to use it on Perez. So I might want to remind her that she could use it on Verstappen, but I don't think she <laughs> in her lineup. I don't know. Or she could use it on Leclerc. She's using move. her turbo on Leclerc. Right, you could move she the turbo to Perez. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have a discussion this evening, uh, maybe tomorrow morning, <laughs> decide if that's the best lineup. But it's up to her. Um, but she is 
changing from Hamilton to Leclerc to save some money, and then that gives her the ability to move up from Norris to Sainz. She's also making basically a lateral move from Guan Yu to Stroll and then going from Alpine to Haas. I think Haas is nice in terms of budget, I guess, but probably not worth the step down in my opinion, but we'll see. If you want to save budget by getting on Haas, then you should be taking Magnussen or Schumacher because yeah, they've like, also both overperformed for a mere $6 million. Yeah, you get Haas and Mick, and then uh, you can afford Verstappen instead of Perez or something. Yep. All right, Josh, you, you said you're not making any lineup changes, but you were considering uh, just some driver combination totals, right? Yeah, so I'm not making any changes right now just because I want to keep Verstappen in for, you know, the Red Bull ring. Otherwise, what I'm starting to look at is I'm starting to see really that last year Verstappen and Red Bull Constructor was almost a can't-miss combo. You could have switched that out to Hamilton and Red Bull Constructor if you wanted to. This year now is starting to really feel like the the combo to have is a turbo Leclerc and the Ferrari constructor. So keeping in mind that I want to keep the two of them, what I was looking at is in order to get all the way up to Verstappen with the budget that I have right now, the best driver left on the board potentially, but based on fantasy points gained this season uh stroll is the next best driver that you can add into that lineup because i really like the savings that magnuson and botas give me because they're pretty regularly overperforming 9.7 and 6.1 million dollars yeah and allowing me to have more of the high-end drivers But what I was looking at is that combination of Verstappen and Stroll so far throughout the fantasy, the F1 fantasy season has totaled 472 points. By dropping Verstappen and Stroll and freeing up the budget that that frees up, it actually allows you to add Sainz and Perez. And if they add the two of their scores up, first of all, you get two drivers over 200 points scored so far. And their total is 536 points. So you're looking at a, a point differential of 64 points more that that combo is scored instead of Verstappen and Stroll. So I'm thinking after we get through this race, that's probably the shift that I'm going to make, is to drop for Stabin and Stroll, add Signs and Perez, and then when we get to a second half of the season sprint race, where we can do the Mega Driver, that would be the time when I would shift back into Verstappen. At least for that one race. But no changes for this week, but moving forward, I'm probably going to be going away from Verstappen stroll and getting signs and Perez in there. Yeah. Something I didn't even think about until now, but you can't turbo Verstappen because of his price. You shouldn't turbo stroll because he's not a high points getter. We're not expected to compared to others. Right. But you can turbo signs and you can turbo Perez. So you're kind of trading in not only for better point scores, but you're also trading in for people you could turbo as opposed to two drivers you probably wouldn't consider, right? Yep. I like that. All right. We are well into this podcast and we are just now moving on to the NASCAR stuff. Um, But that's okay because Road America was pretty straightforward. I will say the battle for the lead that I eventually watched at a campsite after killing Sarah's car battery, charging my phone in it, without turning it on. Uh, <laughs> I did eventually see the Reddick versus Chase Elliott battle, and it was really good. Um, and we, we solved all the car issues on the campsite, so we were okay there. But um, it, that, that was a really good battle, and that was probably the only 30 minutes of the race that I give shit about. Everything else was 
pretty boring and honestly kind of terrible. Um, track position is all that mattered, although Reddick and Chase Elliott found a way to have a good battle. Um, Kyle Busch spun out early and then was just basically stuck in 30th all day, so that was really frustrating to watch. Um, I really like seeing Joey Hand run up near the top 10, but then because of stages, in I guess his team being a lower kind of a team that doesn't always do that well in Rick Ware racing. They opt for a stage second place, which puts him back in 20th, which is another thing I think is stupid. Like you don't, if you, it, you should be rewarded for running well, not penalized for running well at the end of a stage. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, is there anything else you want to cover about the race, Josh? I think so. Um, we had one one tire failure with two laps to go, so that didn't affect the race. Shockingly enough, this this entire race only had two cautions: the end of stage one and the end of stage two. Yeah, four mile track probably helps that quite a bit. Yeah, you're basically never running into lap traffic. You know, you had uh, I want to say it was in stage two that Bubba Wallace got into the gravel and was spitting it out onto the track for probably about a mile and a half, but just because of the size of the track and the spacing of the cars, you know, you get something like that, you know, somebody hits a wedge shot at an oval track and their divot lands on the track. They're throwing the caution flag for a little chunk of grass, but around here it's, it's a little more manageable and the size of the track and everything. But also we, we just saw people, I think the only person who really passed anybody was Kevin Harvick. Yeah. And he, it, it, he found his way into the ideal lineup, which we'll talk about in a bit, but um, yeah, he was impressive. Uh, found his way up from 28th to 10th. But I, I think a, a, a good chunk of that has to come from pit stops and pit strategy, right? It's like we pit before the stages to make sure that we get track position each, each stage break. Maybe it was only five spots each time, but that puts you up to 18th, let's say. And then let's say your pit crew gains you two or three spots, which I know isn't normal for him this year. He's had a rough time with his pit crew. But I'm assuming they did a decent job this weekend. Um, you know, So that's uh, 12 spots, and then he needs to gain six on the, on the track, which is difficult, definitely. But you have a few guys go off the track. You have issues, whatever, so... Um, still really impressive from him. Uh, he was in the ideal lineup, like I mentioned, and so was Tyler Reddick, who I put a unit on to win at plus 2,500. Uh, I put this betting profile in the show notes, thankfully. So I have a good record of being like, look, see, I, I did it. Um, but I put six units down across six drivers, uh, basically all taking long shots ish. Suarez was my only favorite, and he was still plus 1,500. Um, but then I took the 8, the 4, the 17, the 34, and the 43. Um, the 43 is plus 100, or no, sorry, plus 12,500, which I, I was like, all right, I'm putting a unit on that just on principle. Um, you know, you get a weird caution break thing happen, and he could end up winning. Um, but because Reddick won uh, at plus 2,500, I am plus 20 units on my 6 invested. So great week for me there. Plus, Reddick was my buy low, and he was obviously in the ideal lineup. Oh, by the way, your buy low of Kevin Harvick was in the ideal lineup, like we already mentioned. Oh, by the way, my lock of Chase Elliott was in the ideal lineup, and uh, your lock of the one of uh, Chastain was basically just outside the ideal lineup. So we basically killed it, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so the ideal lineup was 237.7 points, and you could build a lineup with Chastain in it that would have got you 235.6. Yep. Which was part of the second highest scoring combination that was possible for the weekend. So we clearly learned our lesson from Sonoma and got our act together for the next road race that came up and and figured it out because we both got hammered at Sonoma. But yeah. we're able to right the ship, so to speak, for mm-hmm. uh, for Road America, which was which was nice. And then, Crum, I think it continues to get better, right? Yeah, uh, 
I mean, unless you're referring to post qualifying draft, which you won, but uh, <laughs> outside of that, no. Um, the lineup I put together and uh, shared on the podcast last week, um, like I mentioned, they qualified in the top seven. Uh, I think they might have all finished in the top seven. No, that's not is it? One second. I got to check this. All right. So we got Reddick, Elliot, Larson. Those were your top three. Um, Busher finished sixth and McDowell finished eighth. So they all finished top eight and qualified top seven. So that got me six X, which was 12 points off the ideal lineup. Uh, well, 26 out of 2300 entries was really hoping like when I realized how well, uh, my drivers did in that race, I was like, oh shit, I might actually have close to the ideal lineup. This is actually a possibility. But not quite there. Um, still made 6x, though. So great result for me. Um, Josh, you entered all of our drafts, which all won, correct? Yep. Both of our pre-qualifying drafts cashed uh, 2x. Your post-qualifying draft cashed 2x. And my post-qualifying draft cashed 3x. Yep. Which means you're now ahead of me in post-qualifying drafts, which I don't love, but I do love that we did so well. We're tied in pre-qualifying draft because I got this one back, barely. Um, and the guys we missed were guys we missed because we nailed our picks. So um, this was a week when you didn't need to listen to that third lineup from us, basically. But yeah, we, we just... Really good week from us. I mean, the, the two best value plays, both of our by lows, the 17... Made it into my lineup. He was the other ideal lineup budget pick. Um, McDowell just outside. I had in my lineup. The 47 was a little bit worse, and the 48 was a little bit worse. Um, but they weren't terrible. They were they were some of the better value plays outside of those top four. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's about time to move on to the Atlanta Super Speedway. What do you think? Let's do it. Now we actually know what this track's going to be like, unlike yeah. the spring. Yeah, we've we've seen it, uh, an actual five hundred mile race on it. So now we're going to see a four hundred, well, point four mile race on it. Um, I've driven it in iRacing racing now, so I feel like I have some context for it, which is not really that big of a deal, but it's fun to to watch the race with that context. Um, stages are sixty laps, a hundred laps, a hundred laps for 260 total. Um, so I would expect probably a pit stop in that first stage. I don't think they can make it 60 laps. And then I think they would split the last two stages with 50 laps. Um, I don't think they're going to want to try to make it 60 laps, not with all the tire and wheel problems from the spring. Yeah. I <laughs> Like I said, rewatching that race, there were a ton of flat tires. Josh, do you want to set an over-under on just flat tires? We're not talking wheels in the pit area, we're talking just flat tires. What do you think over under? Uh, it's, it's tough to go over a number of 1.5. Sure. But I would take, I would because I, I think, I think at 2.5, it almost makes it too easy to go with the under. I would take, I would still take the over at 2.5. All right, let's set it at 2.5 then. All right. I think I would also take the over there still. At 3.5, I'm taking the under. Got so it. I guess I'm saying three. Three tire issues. I'm going to say five. Wow. Yep. Uh, what do you think about wheel issues? Uh, wheel issues, I'm going to say one at 1. 1.5. Again, for the line, I'm going to actually take the under on that one because we're starting to see these teams pay a lot more attention to the lug nuts now and call drivers back if they don't think that they have a wheel connected. Um, just take the, take the second quick run down pit road because that's going to be less impactful than getting off the... Uh, you know, losing losing your wheel and ending up in thirty fourth. 
Yeah. So I think it's, it's it seems like it's starting to become a focus of teams a little bit more. Are you saying under and you'd expect one or none? I would still expect one. I'm going to say two. Well, mm-mm. I'm going to say zero, so I'm going to take the under. I would say two if I didn't think there were going to be a ton of caution pit stops. I think green flag pit stops is where you see that happen more often. Um and so that's where I'm going to sort of say it'll be zero, but only because they're going to only do uh, pit stops under caution. Speaking of pit stops, can we bounce back to Road America real quick? Yeah, go right ahead. What the hell is Denny Hamlin's issue? Did you see what happened with him? Yeah, where he drove through one too many pit boxes. Yeah, and then he had to come back down, and then he did it again. He did it again. I didn't see that. He did it twice. Oh my god! He drove through many, too many. Had to take the penalty. He came down and drove through too many again. I did not. I I probably like fast forwarded through that part and just they were still talking about it. So I was like, yeah, he did that thing. Still, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Twice. Twice in a row. Wow. Did the exact same thing. Like. I know he's had a lot of pit issues throughout this season, but that's a driver issue. No, he's 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 one of those drivers that a few years ago was like considered like the basically the favorite to speed on pit road. He was the guy who was probably going to speed on pit road the most every year, and he's gotten that better. But now he's he's just finding other ways to make it difficult. Yet he still has two wins and sits firmly and comfortably into the playoffs because of those two wins. Because he's not there on points. Alright, my digression's over. Alright, should we just draft? I think we should. I'm actually kind of kind of glad that this one comes down to you as the first pick here, I think. Oh, yeah, no, it's... There's no obvious favorite at this track, so it's just better to have quantity over quality at this point, I think. Um, I am going to take the aforementioned Denny Hamlin, though. I think he gets it all together and gets his third win somehow. Um, he's my lock right now, but that doesn't mean much until I see more, I guess. And it also doesn't mean much. I, I don't think you can really truly have a lock here. Maybe you do, but if I were to pick one, I would say mine's Hamlin. Interesting. Especially- I was not expecting you to go there. Well, especially because he's only twelve thousand too. He's not not in the top four in price, but he's a consistently good super speedway driver. He was up front in this race in the spring until basically he pushed Larson a little bit too hard, which basically happened all race. Interesting pick. All right. Uh, I thought for sure you were going to take one of the two guys that I would really like to have. Uh, Chastain. And I was... Elliot? Yeah. But I don't want to handicap my budget by taking both of them. So I'm going to take Chastain. I'm going to lock him. Again. It's crazy to see Chastain up in this high price tier these days. He should be there. I know. It's just like crazy to think about. He has the third best average finish on the season, the most top fives, and the most top tens. Those are good stats. Fifth most laps led. I should do uh, stats on ideal lineup drivers, see how many drivers have the most ideal lineup appearances. That would be interesting. More things I need to automate. Um, and then I am going to take one of the few drivers who in the spring was actually able to make up some pretty decent place differential. The team feels like it's turning a corner. It's a Toyota. I'm going to be very Toyota and Chevy here. I love the number that I'm seeing budget wise for him right now. I'm going to take the 19 of Truex for 9,500. Yeah, that's a really good pick. That's arguably a better lock than me just on price, even though it's not your lock. Uh, 
let's see then. He was definitely on my radar. Although I don't mind just having one of the Gibbs drivers. It's probably not a great idea to have. I feel like it's good to have diversity in this, potentially. Um, I'm old wooden go. warship. What's that? An old wooden warship. Diversity. Oh, right. <laughs> like, come on, you're, you're, the, you're the exact right age. I know. Or uh, some Anchorman references. Uh-huh. I am. But it's just, I didn't connect one plus two. It equaled four. Um, speaking of four, I'm going to take the 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as my f- second pick, fourth overall. Um, he's going to be my buy low as of now. I might, I have a lot of buy low candidates that I basically I'm, I think I'm going to take the worst qualifier of them because I don't think qualifying is going to mean much. Um, especially because for a guy like Ricky Stenhouse, he's not worried about getting points right now. He doesn't care about stage wins. He should just figure out if his car's doing what it needs to and then chill the fuck out and wait till the end of the race because he has nothing to race for until he gets a win. So I like picking up drivers that are win-focused rather than points-focused right now um, simply because I don't think they'll be going for stage points where you could see more wrecks. Um, So give me the 47 of Stenhouse, and I'll take another buy low candidate here um, in the 17 of Chris Buescher. Um, I know we're going off of him looking good at road courses, but uh, I think he also does pretty well at these super speedway tracks. I could see him just delivering a, a solid finish or even, again, being another guy who is going for a win right now because he kind of needs one. So give me the 47 and the 17. Okay. I'm going to dip my toe right back into last week's well, and I'm going to take my buy low of Kevin Harvick in the four car for 6500 It's a nonsense price. <laughs> He's not going to win, but he is going to be in the top 10. Yeah. For, 64, for 6500 give me a top 10 finish. And it gives me a little bit of Ford exposure. Yeah. My, my only concern with him is that He's in the points race for the last spot, but I don't know if he's going to race like it or not. He's usually a guy who plays it safe. So I could see him saying, no, I'm not worried about trying to get above the cut line. I'm worried about trying to get a win. So that might work out for you. But if he is going for points, that's where I'd be concerned with those stage ends. I think he has to be going for point or for a win right now because we've got eight races left and only three open playoff spots. Yeah, they're going to fill up fast. That's with Harvick without a win, Blaney without a win, Shurex without a win, Christopher Bell without a win. Anything can happen when we get to, uh, what, Daytona later on in the year. That could be Eric Jones. That could be Michael McDowell. That could be Bubba. That could be Stenhouse. You know, <sighs> Austin Sindrick, I think only you picked him before the season started between the two of us for getting into the playoffs, and I don't think either of us were expecting Daytona to be his win. Right? Maybe he would get there on points or something, but I... Maybe he would get there on a road course win, is what I was probably thinking. Yeah. So good at road courses, but... Eight races, three spots left, basically, is kind of how I'm looking at it. So you got to, you're underneath that line right now. You really have to be looking to, uh, to get that win. Yeah. So and then, going to get back into the Toyotas. Because of the super speedway nature of this track now, I would love to say Bubba. However, this whole pit crew nonsense has me fading the 20 and the 23 pretty hard. So because of that, give me his teammate, the 45 of Kurt Busch. All right. Yeah. I believe he did well here in the spring. 
Let me check on that. Uh, yeah, he finished third. That is pretty good. Ideal line, uh, not quite the ideal lineup, surprisingly. But qualified you know. ninth and finished third. So clearly, he's got some type of speed here. He's one of those guys who disappears for a little while and then shows back up and contends really, really well. I feel like he's been a little bit non-existent recently. So I'm going to get back onto that wagon and throw uh, Kurt Busch in the 45 onto my lineup here too. Yeah, I uh, I actually do like that pick. Um, I was definitely considering him and Bubba and Truex. Um, but I think their, their price point is just higher than I wanted it to be. I don't know if that's just like a weird, like I shouldn't factor that in as much as I am maybe, but for him and Bubba, I can see that argument, but Truex feels underpriced to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I am going to go with another underpriced, but expensive driver, actually two on the higher end of the price scale, because I have what? 14, no, 24 or something remaining. You've got 12, 12, 8 per driver. Exactly. 25, 2 total. I'm going to take the spring winner, William Byron. He's only 11,500, which. I was wondering if he was going to get picked. Yeah, I think he's underpriced because people are factoring in his recent races, but I don't think they're relevant to this track. So. Uh, I expect Hendrick to be strong here, um, which is why I need one of them. And I think Byron fits in there. And I am also taking the 12 of Ryan Blaney as another high price guy. Uh, really like he, he ran up front here, too. It's going to come down to the end and whether these guys get in wrecks, obviously. But I think those are two more drivers that are racing for wins. Um, Blaney arguably could go for points. He went for points last week, which I didn't love. Um, but he's also really good at this racing. So I don't think uh, Blaney is the biggest risk in that. I think that's, that's where I, I, I'm not making him my lock or anything. I just think hard to leave him out when I have room for him. Yeah. FanDuel feels like they uh, like something there to see him priced up as the third most expensive this week. Well, Crum, this worked out perfect for me because I can also hitch my wagon to Hendricks with the five of Kyle Larson. There you go. How much is he? He is twelve five. Okay, yeah, just above Denny. So I'll look at that as a discount on him. I think that's probably more where he should be based on how this year's been going. As far as price point goes, I don't think he should be the consistent most expensive driver um, like he was last year, but he had a good race here in the spring, if I'm recalling that right. Or he had a terrible race, but it was because of an issue. He ran up front, and then uh, he and Denny Hamlin got together when they were trying to push, and they both basically crashed out at that point. Mm-hmm. So, if he and Hamlin have good races, then I'll, I'm okay with that. Yeah, let's see. Where did he finish? Somewhere near the back. I think he was out eventually. Um, 30th. Yeah. So, not great. I feel like he's had pretty rough luck on most of these super speedways, but he has run up front, so... I see no reason why he can't actually finish there for once. Um, Chase Elliott, we didn't pick him. What's what are we doing? <laughs> He's definitely <laughs> missed, right? Got yeah. Him. So three, three that pop out to me right away for guys we missed: Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to get all of them in there. Uh, I don't think it'll be that bad. I mean, Suarez is priced, what, 9.8? Is that right? Okay, so those three would give us 7850 per driver. Yeah, that's plenty. (laughs) 
Um, let me see. I had a list somewhere. Do you like the 34 and the 43 both have to remain attractive for this kind of a racetrack? Yeah, I they're literally near the top of my list. Um, <laughs> plenty left over, too. How about Corey LaJoy? I'm actually top, not interested. Top five finish here. In I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not interested in him at all. Yeah. Hey, Noah Gregson's in this race. <laughs> I did see that. Um, if we want to get silly with how we do this, guys, we miss lineup. I still don't hate Ty Dillon. I don't mind him, but I like Justin Haley more. At 3,000, that gives you the ability to pick anyone. Yeah, I definitely like going Ty Dillon if you want to construct a heavy budget lineup. I think that's a great, great choice. Um, I think if you're just I trying do. to... I think if you're just trying to save money, your floor should be either Custer or Almirola. Custer at 4,500, Almirola 5, then it's Haley, Jones. Kozlowski, Stenhouse, McDowell. It's that's that whole group is basically the tier I'm looking at. Yeah, I do. I do like McDowell quite a bit. Okay, so if we put McDowell and take Eric Jones out just for a moment, we have 9,500. We could get Briscoe. Uh, are we thinking Ford is going to have something? Because that would put three Fords in this lineup. Yeah, I mean, he ran up front in the early part of this race. Um, and then I don't remember what happened to him after that, but I don't think he's going to be terrible. I think, I think I'd prefer Bowman. That's fair. Over Briscoe for this one. Round out the Hendrick drivers. All right, so if I'm reading this correctly, our guys we missed lineup would be the nine. The 22, the 99, the 48, and the 34 with yep. 1,700 left over. Yep. All right. Did you have a buy low for all that? I, did, I missed it if you did. Yeah, Harvick. Oh, that's right. Yep. That makes sense. Same lock, same buy low as last week. Yeah. And I, I also uh, I think I threw together a betting profile. Let me just... Double check. Um, I really like going with like the like four to six heavy underdogs that you still think have a shot to win. Um, and then if you need to hedge with favorites during the race, kind of like wait and see who's going to make it to like the last hundred laps before you do that, just so you're not like wasting money hedging with Chase Elliott and then seeing him in a wreck five laps later. Although that can still happen with a hundred to go, but you get the idea. Let's see. I have to log in, don't I? Well, you're looking up your betting profile. Why don't I just go ahead and give the weather report? We don't know when we're going to be racing in Atlanta. <laughs> We've true. got uh, rain all day and night on Sunday, followed by rain all day and night on Monday, followed by rain all day and night on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Maybe a little break on Saturday the 16th, one day before we're supposed to be in New Hampshire. So it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. There's a possibility, if I had to predict it right now, my prediction is that there is going to be a midday, mid-afternoon lull in the rain, and they are going to get enough laps in to make it an official race, and it's going to end up being short. I could see that, which would throw my stage win concerns out the window. Maybe stage one would get crazy, but stage two then becomes the end of the race, I think. Yep. So, yeah, that'll. I'll be curious to see if there is a race. I hope there is. Um, if not, at least there's F1. Um, my betting profile, real quick. Uh, I have Truex, so I obviously should have drafted him, but at plus 2,000, put a unit on him. Uh, Eric Jones at plus 5,000. Put a unit on him. 
Cole Custer at plus 10,000. You're not him. Alex Bowman, plus 2,500. Put a unit there. And then for F1, I put one unit on Perez at plus 1,100. So if Perez wins, it pays out $12. And I put $3.30 on Verstappen at minus 110 with a payout of 630. And what that would mean is I, if Verstappen wins, I will make $2.30. And if Perez wins, I will make $7.70. So basically, I'm banking on a Red Bull victory. And obviously, scale those numbers with zeros if you want to go crazy. But that's I wanted to go for a low, low profile with a F1 this weekend. Well, hometown cooking for those Red Bull boys. Yep. They'll get it done, I imagine. All right, we covered the weather. We covered everything, I think. Um, so we'll catch you guys next week.